Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before, and sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com intrepid, complete the quick size tool, and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com intrepid. You'll love Fittery, and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now, for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody. This is Rayanne Thorne. Thanks for joining me today on HR Latte. Kicking off a new series, Is HR Killing Your Innovation Efforts? So the series will be hashtag killing your innovation. I am really excited to welcome guest Josh Berry, who will be kicking off this eight-part series. Hey, Josh. Thanks for joining me today on HR Latte. My pleasure. I really appreciate uh, being on your show. Well, I'm really interested about your this particular post that you wrote called Is HR Killing Your Innovation Efforts? And I wanted to have you on the show. And actually, it evolved into a series because there is so much for us to talk about. We could never fit it in a 30-minute episode. So <laughs> we're going to try and do several episodes between 15 and 20 minutes long each. To start us off, tell me a little bit about Econic. Tell us about Econic.co. Sure. So Econic is the brainchild of my business partner and I, and uh, it was born out of the idea that corporate innovation teams are really struggling uh, many times to figure out the best way to map and execute innovation. And so uh, what Econic does is is we work with those uh, entities and help them try to understand exactly where they can be innovating, how they should approach innovation and then how to actually then execute on that. And so it gets into a bunch of different topics in terms of the tactics and tools and methods that they use, but it also gets into the strategy and the culture of innovation uh, within corporations. So why the focus on innovation in HR? What I started to see uh, back then of the biggest driver of growth was really the right people that you're hiring and promoting and developing. And so over the last few years, as I've been working with startup entities, Again, I saw that many times the difference between successful startup teams and, and, and those who don't succeed is really the talent of the people on those teams. And so 
as we were getting requests more and more from corporate teams who were trying to think and execute and move more like startups, we found that we were able to equip them with some of the same tools and processes that if we didn't start with some of the fundamental building blocks of who we're giving those tools to, how they're being incentivized, what org structure is around them, we were seeing that the tactics and the tools were not nearly as effective on their innovation efforts as they could be. Okay, so let's kick it off and talk about those barriers to success. In the post that you referenced, uh, that we referenced earlier, you talked about one of the first barriers being people. But let's talk about why recognize barriers. I know that you're talking to a lot of startup companies and sometimes they're just so gung-ho and ready to take on the world and they think their product is the best thing to ever hit the marketplace. Why is it important to recognize that there are barriers to success, especially in technology? Well, I think that's one of the biggest things now. You know, Today, compared to even three or four years ago, the speed and cost of building new technology is drastically reduced. What we're seeing then is that more and more people just even jump even sooner to building things even before knowing if, if it's actually something that should be built. And so if you look at a lot of my posts or articles, they fall into two camps. One is on, on HR's influence on innovation, and the other is around customer development and validation of should you even build this thing, not, not how do you build it or, or when will we build it. And so I think that's a, a huge barrier which is uh, that many times people are attacking and building things or creating companies around uh, potential solutions that maybe there's not a direct pain point for. Many times in our field, we call those more uh, minor inconveniences or aspirin problems versus maybe migraine problems for people. It's really interesting to me that the more we talk about technology, the more we discover the problems with technology and the lack of solutions that they actually solve and I think if we're, if we actually have a strategy ahead of time, right? And look at, mm-hmm. okay, there are barriers that will get in our way, both on the side of the user of the product or the innovator of the product. I don't know if you saw the article in Entrepreneur this last week about why do disruptive technologies have to be so disruptive, right? And, and mm-hmm. was our disruptive technologies worth the disruption they cause? Right? That was the opening paragraph. And I'm thinking that's a little uh-huh. redundant for one thing, but it's also, yeah. yes. They have to be disruptive in order to change. And disruption is an absolute part of the change process. When you're faced with a challenge and the only way to meet that challenge head on requires either a new process or a shift in process, that's going to be disruptive, even if you don't introduce technology, right? So let's get back to, let's address that. What do you think about that? Should disruptive technologies be disruptive or should it just be a smooth transitional process? Well, you one, you have very different buyers and users that are out there, okay? And so for the vast majority of people, they're going to want something that's a little bit more of a smoother transition. That said, many early adopters are, are those ones who are taking those larger leaps. And one of the kind of uh, signals of smoke or fire, or maybe that there's a potential business idea that's worth pursuing out there, is when we see that people are already disrupting or changing their behavior. They're already hacking together their own workarounds for potential solution, okay? And when, we, when we're able to uncover some of those things, those are typically the first places where we start to explore that there might be an idea for a new product or a new service. And so, so when you think about, is that really disruptive? You know, when people are already starting to change their behavior because whatever discomfort or pain that they're living with is so much that they're trying to figure out ways to solve it on their own, that, that's almost a great opportunity for a type of disruptive technology because they're already prone to 
to behavior change. Before we hit the first barrier to discuss people, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. And we're back speaking with Josh Berry of Econic. Josh, let's discuss the first barrier that you address in um, what's killing your innovation, right? Is HR killing your innovation? Let's talk about people. Now, you start right off with something that many people, especially in HR technology, might, might be offended by. But I totally get it. I totally get it. Not everyone is cut out to be an innovator. What do you mean by that? And then let's dive into this particular barrier of people. Well, I, what we were just talking about before is that there's there's a lot of barriers. And when there's new ideas and new things out there, those obviously can, can be barriers or, or they can be great solutions. But behind all great ideas and, and things are people. And so if you don't get the people right, uh, it, it ends up being a very serious impediment to the innovation efforts within an entire organization, not just innovation within HR processes. I'll give you a, a very familiar, hopefully, scenario to a lot of listeners, and that is, think of sales training. You know, sales training is is necessary, and you absolutely need to give the skills to salespeople for them to feed, but there's a huge performance gap between people who are naturally born great salespeople and those people who are not great salespeople. The other extreme example would be is if you put a basketball in my hands or LeBron James' hand, you're going to see a very wide gap in actual performance and how we're able to wield that basketball, right? Sure, tool. absolutely. So what we start to see is that many organizations are in a chase of trying to continue to be more and more innovative. They're adopting training and other L&D activities around uh, teaching people lean startup or agile thinking and scrum processes or design thinking or design sprints. They're starting to give new tools. They're giving, they're giving sales training, right? But it's innovation training and it doesn't fall or get absorbed by the same people or by, by people basically across the board. There are certain people that have a greater tendency to be more innovative than others. And so you, you would do best off identifying who those people are who have the greatest potential for innovation and all the different kind of stages of innovation, if you will, uh, which by the way, that's, those could be different people. Before you start getting into now how we're structuring or training or organizing these people. So what's the best way to identify the innovators within an organization? Is it by using something like strength finders or the Myers-Briggs or any other type of personality or skill assessment? What's the best way? Good question. You know, the first decade of my life was spent in talent assessment. And so this is an area I'm very passionate about. And in my mind, there's always two buckets. There's informal ways and formal ways of identification. So those informal ways are many times uh, on the job observation. Who are the people that you're seeing who are taking on the new projects? You could host uh, internal startup weekend competitions or challenges or hackathons or, or prototype hackathons or uh, other things that give people opportunities to uh, demonstrate those characteristics and traits and see if you can identify people there. 
On the formal side, you're right. There, there are definitely a number of assessments that are out there that have either been designed specifically to identify entrepreneurial tendencies. Uh, you mentioned Gallup. They actually they have StrengthsFinder, but they actually have a very specific entrepreneurial profile called the EP10 that they came out with a couple of years ago that can be used to help you understand what type of entrepreneur you are. Uh, Foresight has an intriguing assessment that actually identifies basically what stage an idea is in from just creation all the way to the execution and helps identify you know, which people you put on, on the team. And so there's those formal ones who've been specifically designated for that. But I think uh, you can also take pretty much any assessment that's out there. And if you do the right research and, and kind of cohort analysis, you can start to see tendencies of the things that it measures to see if it would be somebody who's more akin to being successful in innovation or not. Are you surprised by anything that you've done, the research that you've done, what you've heard back from HR departments and from startups? Is there anything that surprises you? A little bit. Many times when I'm talking to HR individuals about this, and it depends upon how progressive the HR team is. So, so I want to caveat that because I hate stereotyping. But it seems to be some more of the reactionary personnel type departments who are very order taking. It's a very big leap for them to see how they could be an accelerant or a driver of innovation within their organization. But for some of those HR and talent departments that I'm talking to that they really see the strategic role that HR can play, the, a little bit of the surprise that I see is the excitement that they see of how they can take what, what, what I'm telling them about and translate that into innovation and a very concrete objective that's being driven at the board level of their organization and how HR can be a significant driver in multiple aspects of, of those innovation initiatives. So much information here, and we're going to carry on this conversation over the next seven parts of this series that, that's going to be ongoing. Is HR killing your innovation efforts? It's been great to have you on the show today. This is a Key Point podcast, so I appreciate you, Josh, dropping some words of wisdom. We'll be back next time when we talk about the next barrier, incentives. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of peek. Internal performance incentives are based on short-term objectives. How can we switch up on that? Josh, can you give us a little peek? Yeah, uh, many things that kill. As soon as you get the right people on the teams, what I find is that many organizations then saddle them up with the exact same quarterly bonus <sighs> profit-driven metrics that are the exact opposite of what you want innovation teams to be focusing on. And so... Uh, what gets measured gets repeated. And so you can't just keep telling them that you want them to take risks and that you're going to uh, want to see them you know, fail a bunch and fail fast right? and then continue to pay them off of uh, getting a quarterly profit. So uh, driving innovation among select teams, I'm not saying across the board, but driving innovation requires a different mindset when we think about incentives and compensation. Perfect. And we'll be back next time to dive in a little bit deeper about incentives and how that can be a barrier to success within the HR department and the innovation that can benefit or hurt. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Ryan. Been a pleasure to have you. Tune in next time as we continue this series on Is HR Killing Your Innovation Efforts? <laughs>